Kleenexes are now. The um, yeah, I'm gonna have a very. Uh, this is not a uh, a normal procedure for. I'll be honest with you, for a, or an ordination. Normally, you'd have the sermon, uh, the challenge at the end of it. Um, I'm not doing the normal. Does that surprise you? Um, and I'm gonna have a very short. Um, challenge but I want to give the challenge beforehand the um, before I even get into that though I, I as they were singing I, I sat there and looking at this family and I thought back um, some months ago and uh, I saw a work schedule and a life schedule that I saw weariness and I saw almost despair at times. But I saw a man, the family, hang on. And you know, the scripture says, a faithful man shall abound with blessing. And I guarantee you, nobody in this room, including 
that family sat right there would have saw, thought six, eight months ago or a year ago that a, that a week, week and a half from now that they would be going to the mission field. But God has incredible things just around the corner. All he's looking for us is just to hang on. Hang on and stay faithful. And uh, boy, what a joy. What a joy. Uh, we're, we're here for an ordination service. And this uh, it, 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 ordination service is very simple. In the, in the New Testament, there's really no prescribed procedure for a service of ordination. Uh, in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 13, you see two examples of people being ordained. Acts chapter 6, it's, uh, it's an example of the deacons. In, verse, in chapter 13, and that's the one we're going to look at. If you want to go to Acts chapter 13, look at verses 1 through 4. This is what we're going to take a, take a look at tonight. Because this is exactly... You know, this is the perfect illustration. These, these are men being ordained to what we would call today missionaries. And so in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight. Lord, give wisdom and direction. And, and Lord, help this. Uh, help me to, to speak clearly. And, and Lord, to uh, honestly do honor to your ordination of this man. And Lord, in so many ways, the family is a part of this ordination. This is... Uh, a touching of them also. So, Lord, I pray that you please bless here tonight. Spirit of God, we love you. We thank you for your divine protection. Lord, we thank you that we have power in your name. And through your name, the evil can be turned back. And, Lord, we thank you for doing that. Please bless us here tonight, these few moments, in Jesus' name. Amen. You see a very clear situation here and and uh and it's amazing because it says that in Antioch certain prophets and teachers and when I think of Josh Brown I think of uh the truth is we're losing one of our best teachers this uh, I, I've been amazed every time that I've heard him my wife I got tired of her raving about him so, because over at uh, Junior Church, she would just say that, uh, she would say, Josh is really good. And I would say, when's the last time you said that about me, baby? But, <laughs> so, um, 
But in January, we as a church, and I, and I want to just kind of put a timeline to this. I want you all to think about this. God began to do something all the way back in uh, the fall of last year as he opened a door for us to have a, a prayer conference. And then he brought us to January, and we were going to have our 21-day corporate fasting, and everybody joining into some portion of that. So a lot of fasting and prayer was going on. And in during that fasting and prayer, God chose to keep Michael and I from going to Ghana, and he chose to send two men out to the ministry. It's so similar to this passage of Scripture. There were several men uh, that, that were there, but the Holy Ghost said, separate me these two and send them out. I've never been at such peace about the, the fact that, that we were not going. I, I, honestly, it didn't, make, it didn't make human sense to think, okay, a couple of guys who, who they've been to this land one time each, and now they're going to go and they're going to hold a conference and do a crusade in a village. I'll be honest with you, folks, that really doesn't make good sense. But I had a peace about it. I told Mike, I just took total peace, it's going to be okay. Because, you see, this is not man doing, this was God doing. So during this time in January where we're fasting and praying, God's choosing to send forth two men to the mission field. God blessed their efforts miraculously. Incredible what God did while they were there. But while they were there, God began to work on Josh's heart. And I think he knew it. I'll be honest with you. I think some of us knew that God was working on him because, you know, mostly, you know, when you go to joke with somebody about a situation like that, you know, about, hey, you're going to go back, you, you kind of, yeah, right, sure, but, but Josh would say some things, but you'd always see in his eyes. Those eyes that said, I'm scared to death. God's about to do this. But we of his church have corporately and individually continued to pray for this family. And for the call of God upon this family. And here's what we've got to understand. God, uh, Calvary did not... Uh, call Joshua to go to the mission field. The Holy Spirit called and confirmed his calling. Now, clearly it all started with fasting and praying, just exactly the way Acts says it's supposed to take place. Now, tonight will be very simple, but I believe an important challenge, to hopefully to Josh, the entire family, to Emily, to the family. But there's three important areas of your life that I think you've got to consider as you're getting ready to make this journey. And first is the spiritual. Being privileged not to live there, but to travel there a few times, there's something that I do know. And, and just being, you know, 62 and, and have experienced and had a lot of changes in my life, I'm going to tell you this, Josh, as you journey across the waters to a new land, it is vital, it is vital that you keep your relationship with God and the relationship with the book. You're a student of the book, but it's especially vital that as you work to get acclimated to this new world that you keep consistent in the Word of God. You see, I hope you understand this, but folks, but every 
change is an opportunity to get out of your routine. Every time you have a change in your life, every time your schedule changes, every time uh, your life changes, or you make a move, or you go to a new ministry, a new, uh, that, that is such a prime time. to. Get. I used to tell college students all the time, I'd say to them when they're going home for Christmas, I said, listen to me, I beg you, y'all got to fight this, you got to fight, you're going to, you, you're getting a schedule, you found a, found a schedule of praying and walking with God, but now you're going to go home and you're not, you don't have any schedule. You got all kinds of time, but no schedule. And what's going to happen is after three weeks, you're going to be you're going to come back here backslidden as as any human being could be, because you lost your routine of talking to God. Now every change is an opportunity to get out of the routine. But listen to this: great change, and the great change like you all face now is a great opportunity for your walk with God to just be an upheaval. So my challenge is make your time with God a priority. That means when you land there, and if you're going to stay in the crowd when you get there, that somewhere, somehow, no matter how tired you are, make God a priority. While you're flying on that plane when everybody else is sleeping, eating, doing whatever, all you got to do is just close your eyes and talk to God while you're over there before you go to sleep. But your family is, of course, a, a vital priority. When you get there, you've got to land and, and understand my family is a vital priority. I've got to take care of them. I've got to get them uh, uh, set. And, and, uh, but, but I want you to understand this. Neither one of these, your family or your walk with God, are going to survive if both are not taken care of and made priority. Your family will have to get settled. But more important than the house being completely set up today is prayer being raised up today. That means you don't try to do everything all at once, wear yourself so, out, so far out that you just go crash in the bed and say, you know, I'll talk to God in the morning. Because it's gonna, the next day you face the same thing. The same thing's going to come at you. And, and, and watch this. And Brooks nodding their head. You, uh, look, it, it, the next day uh, you may not have electricity. And the next day you may not have water. And the next day you may not. And so uh, you just got to say no matter what comes, what comes. I, my wife has helped me with this. But, but just stop and say the joy of the Lord is my strength. And therefore I've got to get a hold of God. God will increase your strength. God's grace will sustain you. The second thing is, is physically. That's a real simple point, but I'm going to make this real clear. Get rest. Okay? Uh, Anybody ever traveled overseas where the time changes drastically? I beg you, get your rest. Everything doesn't have to be done today. Get rest your rest. Uh, Your whole body, your whole system is going to be out of whack. You're going to be tired. You're going to be weary. You're going to be confused. Just get your rest. Give yourself time. Please give yourself time and be patient. Just be patient. God knows where you are and God's going to do the work. You just be patient and let God do it. And that brings me to the final point is emotionally. Emotionally. 
this is not the easiest thing for man, but don't know, you're going to have to talk more than you've ever talked. Don't hold the feelings in it. Don't just don't give me that. Oh, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to be tough. Yeah, you're going to be a tough nut when you explode. Don't do that. Just talk. Let it out. Talk to each other. Uh, because, look, there's going to be homesickness. You know, folks, listen, I, every trip I've ever made, if I go without my wife, I get homesick when I get on the plane. I, I told them I used to get homesick going to work. I really did. I just get homesick. I, I was one of those kids that grew up every time, you know, that you know, going to spend a night with a cousin. My mom and dad would get so angry because they'd have to come pick me up in the middle of the night because I'm crying. Because I just get homesick. Uh, when you go there and you suddenly realize you're a long ways away from home, it's going to be a lot of homesickness. But don't, look, recognize this. Today, one's going to be really homesick, so the other one has to be ready to hear about it. You know why? Because tomorrow the other one's going to be really homesick, and they got to be ready to hear about it. Pick each other up, for you will need them to pick you up. Sing praises throughout the day. If anything, if I could get you to do, do anything, I, it's something that I've worked and worked on and try and try, and it's one of the things I do during prayer time. It's one of the things that I, I do. Anything that I know is going to cause me uh, to be a little bit tense, I've started just trying, to, just trying to sing. Sing the praises of God. Sing the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, when the scripture says singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, God's saying you know, it's really hard not to have the joy of the Lord while your heart has melody. And if you're making melody in your heart, I believe that melody just has the, 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 the thought of, of joy. And so sing. Sing the psalms and sing the hymns and sing the spiritual songs. You cannot stay down if you're making melody in your heart. And Josh, continue in prayer. Please, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. Just continue in prayer. Pray for God's power. Pray for God's anointing. Pray for God's protection. Thankfully, God is blessed, and we've, we've heard, and we've, we've been taught, and we've had Michael, we've had Brother Marvin Smith, and we've heard a lot about spiritual warfare. Well, listen, folks, all of us, we need to be praying spiritual warfare prayers for this family every day. We need to be praying in the name of Jesus Christ to bind Satan from these, this couple and from these children. We need to, to, to pray in the name of Jesus Christ that God will wrap his arms around them as a mighty hedge of protection to them. You see, God's protection is more than razor wire. God's protection is more than a, than a, than a wall. God's protection is incredible. Pray for God's power and God's anointing. Pray for God's protection. Pray for God's wisdom. And I'm going to give you just a few more things. Josh, remember always while you're there, you're going to have days where you feel like, boy, did the people waste their money trying to get us here? Am I getting anything done? 
I want you to remember just a few statements. Remember that God called you, not man. Remember that God called you to go to Africa, not man. That's got twofold reason why. One, when you get discouraged, you know that God called me, so God's doing something. No matter what I think's going on, God knows it, 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 God's doing something. Number two, you know I didn't send you. So don't blame me. I had nothing to do with it. Number three, God directs your steps, not man. That means that sometimes, listen, sometimes God lays you down with a bad leg. He just does. You say, why, why in the world would Josh get his leg hurt right before it's time to leave? It might be God just saying when you hit the ground, take your time rather than trying to run and trying to accomplish everything that somehow you believe maybe man wants you to accomplish. No, this is God's doing. He's going he's gonna to do it. Your faith, listen to this, your faith is in God, not man. That's why we have the, the Jim's ministry here. That's the, the, Michael, and I know, I wish to goodness he could be here. He wished he could. You know, of course, he, uh, out of town, they'll be having an ordination service for Josh when he gets to the church there in Africa. But the fact is, is that uh, your faith is in God. That means that, that, you know, we look at it sometimes, and, and so many, forgive me, so many missionaries, it's all, you know, are, are those churches going to continue? Are those churches, the church doesn't take care of you, God does. You're to live and to serve God and to please God, not man. That means if you're doing what God wants you to do, it doesn't make any difference if any of us think it's good. And then follow God's will, God's calling, God's direction. And the re listen to this. If you'll follow God's will, God's calling, and God's direction, the results will be God's, not man. And that's what it needs to be. God's, not man. You're called by God to have God's spirit to do God's work, and this work is detailed in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And I think this would be a wonderful thing. This is, this is the recipe for, I believe, what God wants you to do. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So that's what you're going to do, preach the gospel to the poor. They really don't come much poorer than those people in the villages. He hath sent me to heal up the brokenhearted, and those villages are filled with people that are brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captive, they are so much in captivity. And recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what God expects of you. God ne it never says there that he came to build the biggest church. It never says there that he came to have a certain number. It never says that he came to baptize this amount. It says that he came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You do that and you fulfill God's plan. So Josh, it's an honor and, a, and our privilege is Calvary Baptist Church to simply do as the church of Antioch did. We prayed, we have fasted, we understand and believe your calling was by God through the Holy Spirit, and now we as a church will ordain you to the ministry, the ministry of what we call today a missionary. 
we're not ordaining, I want you to hear this, and, but we're not ordaining you to a place, but to a calling. Wherever that calling may take you, as long as your calling continues to fulfill the description of Luke 4, we support you. And folks, it's our joy to support them. So now, what I'd like to do next is I'd love for Josh to come up. I'm going to give him an opportunity to testify of his salvation story and also testify to us of his calling to the ministry, what God has done in his heart. Let's pause for him. Go ahead. Let's have a word of prayer real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you've done in this church throughout the years, dear Lord. Father, I pray that you give me grace just for these few minutes, dear Lord. I pray that you bind the spirit of pride and any other spirit that would raise itself above you, dear Lord. Father, I just pray that you receive the honor and glory that you deserve. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick, I won't take long, but if I take too long, you can kick me out next week. Um... (laughs) When I found out that I was going to be given a testimony, the first thing that popped in my mind <clears throat> was a story of uh, uh, Esther. And just, you know the story, so we won't turn to anything, but at the very end where you read in chapter 9, I believe it is, it talks about the, they had a celebration. This is after the Jews were delivered. They celebrated the day of Purim, I believe is how it's pronounced. And it's because of the pur. The pur was a lot that was cast. Uh, I'll make sense here in just a second, I promise. But at the end of everything that's happened through that time where the Jews were delivered and everything that happened with with the queen and Haman and Mordecai, at the very end, they looked back and they looked at the pur, which was the lot that was cast. Well, if you look in Esther chapter 3, before the Jews ever knew there was an issue, Haman was taking a a die, a lot, and he was casting it. And he was trying to decide, when am I going to persecute the Jews? When am I going to set up the day to wipe out the Jews? Jews did not have a clue. They didn't know what was going to happen. And he kept casting the die and casting the die. Pretty soon, 12 months later, at the end of the year, that's the date that it came to where he decided that this is when the persecution will come. But the Jews celebrated that moment. Why? Because God was in control of the lot. And they looked at that. Now, if you look in that whole book, you really don't see any mention of God. You hear about prayer. You hear about fasting. But it's understood that through everything that happened, God was in control. So (laughs) Emily and I, as far as my testimony is concerned, there's some things that are very fresh on my mind. We went up to Michigan, and I've been able to visit with people I hadn't seen for over a decade, people who had a really big part in my life, Um, talked to my mom especially, and just you know, Mom, how'd you end up in church? How'd you get saved? She didn't grow up in a Christian home. She didn't get saved. Before I was born, she was seeking for the truth. She didn't know what the truth was. She knew it was out there, but she, she just sought for it. She prayed for it. Her and a friend would get together, and they'd go through their Bible, and they knew it was out there, but they just, they were asking God to reveal it to them. Now, this was before I was born. While she was a waitress, believe it or not, a Wesleyan pastor comes in, and gives her the plan of salvation. Now, this is an old-timey, uh, just good preacher, but he's in a Wesleyan church. Through that time, my mom gets saved, my dad gets saved. They're going to church, and that's when I come along. 
But during that time, when she was, went into the hospital to have me, she, was, she shared a room with the Lutz family. Some of you know Lutz and some of you don't. But the reason why I'm sharing this is, is because through that meeting, after that pastor in the Wesleyan church left and they got a real Wesleyan pastor, that pastor did a good enough job to where my mom knew I can't have any part of this. But she remembered the Lutz family, which is how we became Baptist in the Metro Baptist Church. <clears throat> Looking back at that, I realize how good God's been to me in my life. Before I was even thought of, he had a plan. <laughs> and I look, and I can look back at instance after instance where God had been faithful to me. And then I can look back at times I wasn't faithful. But when I was in fourth grade through at Metro Baptist Church and junior church, I remember bowing my head, trusting Christ as my Savior and getting saved. Through that time, God, I believe God called me to be a missionary. But as time went on, I, I, I guess I ignored the call. I got a job. I started a family. And I got wrapped up in the things of this world, the, you know, the pride of life, trying to do more with my career and move with my career. And I lost sight of what was important. Through that time, I, I received a promotion at, at Conway and took a job that took me to Nashville. I learned very, very quick that my way was not near as good as God's way. And through prayer, um, God brought us back here just months later. Um, and I made, made a promise to God then. Now, this is, again, this is about God and his goodness to me, not, against, not for me. Um, but I made a promise to God, God, I will not leave this church again unless you make it clear to me that I should leave this church because I've learned, I've learned now. But over time, uh, while I was at that same job that I had, they, they opened up a, another role for me here in Memphis. But over time, the hours got longer, hours got longer. My shift ended up being 11 o'clock in the morning till 2 o'clock in the morning. Anybody who's got kids knows, well, when you're at home, they're either at school or they're asleep. And uh, that wasn't working. I'm going, Lord, I know you brought me back to Memphis. I know you brought me back to the spot. But I didn't understand why. Um, finally, as time went on, I, I ended up quitting for another job. I gave up a lot, of, a lot of stuff. But I knew it was God wanting me to move to something that would allow me to be the father I should be. I was at that job for two years. As time went on, they started pushing me into working Sundays. And I'll tell you the truth, I was pretty frustrated because I'm going, Lord, why in the world? I know you opened up this job for me. You brought me back to Memphis. That job didn't pan out, and here I am now. I'm, I'm, they want me to work Sundays. Um, and I met with preacher during that time, and we did a lot of praying. And at that time, it was just I understood, and God made it clear to me. Um, the scripture specifically that he brought to my mind was in Luke where he talks about count the cost. And I knew that God was saying, do you trust me? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so I quit my job without, without any real income for sure. Um, I took a job over at Domino's as a just working inside, minimum wage, delivering some pizzas, stuff like that. But as I was there, the opportunity was given to me to become a manager. And I thought, okay, maybe I can make something out of this. Maybe I can make something out of this. And I worked and worked, and before I knew it, I was in the same boat as I was with my other jobs. And that's when God hit me with, 
but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now, that was back in uh, October, beginning of October, I believe. So I put in my two-week notice, um, worked that out. No, no job set up yet, nothing to support the family with. But I knew that's what God led me to do. During that time, I came to church one Wednesday night, and Brother Mike looked at me and goes, Hey, Josh, why don't you pray about coming to Ghana with me? I was like, yeah, oh, sure, okay. <laughs> so, and I did. I prayed about it. And uh, it was like, I was like, go ahead and apply for the passport. Now, that was five weeks before he was leaving. So I guess it was maybe the end of September. That was five weeks before he was leaving. They tell you it takes five weeks to get your passport. It took me a week and a half. Less than two weeks, I had my passport back. Now, I've never seen the government move that fast ever. <laughs> but they did. So I got it back, and I was like, Okay, God, maybe you want me to go. So, again, understand that through this time, it was, it, it was a trying time because you got to understand, I didn't have income coming in. The money that we had set aside to try to help make it through till we found something stable, that went towards a plane ticket. That went towards yellow fever shots that almost killed me. <laughs> <laughs> but God made it very clear that we were to go. So, I ended up going. Now, during that time, I had a feeling that God might be calling me to go there, but I... I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Please not Africa. <laughs> but uh, I said, if you want me to go, I said, there's three things that I'd like for you to show me. Now, they call it laying out the fleece. For some reason, I, I just I felt like that's what I should do. Three things I asked for is one, for God to reveal it to Emily without me speaking to her. The other thing I asked for is for the trip in January, because I knew there was a prayer camp, that God would provide a way there for that. And the third thing was for somebody who I looked up to especially from a, a Christian standpoint, to tell me that they think that that's what God's calling me to do. Within about a week and a half, <laughs> my wife came and spoke to me, my plane ticket was paid for, and my mom came to me and said, I think you're supposed to go. And along with probably a dozen other people, people who I've, I've known for maybe a few weeks, would come to me and say, I think you're supposed to go to, and I was like, okay, Lord. <laughs> but, but through that time, God revealed himself, and, and not just and saying go to Ghana, but Emily can tell you, we sit down and we look at the budget and we go, there's just no way. There's no way we can pay the bills this month. But every single time, God was faithful and met every single need we ever had. And to the point to where when we were working on the house the other day, somebody came to me and goes, how are you paying for all this stuff? And I just looked at him and said, I don't know. <laughs> but God had always, always provided. Um, through the time, then we go to, uh, we already talked about, you know, the testimony from January when we went to the men's prayer camp. But God revealed himself and showed himself so powerful during that time. Uh, through our weakness, he showed himself so powerful. Um, and at the end of January, when we came back, I still hadn't talked to Brother Mike that I thought that's what was going on. Um, but then after that, I was able to sit down and talk to Brother Mike, talk to preacher, and through prayer, um, you know, I believe God revealed it to all of us. So, um, any of you who are struggling with a decision, maybe not now, maybe later, especially younger people, Jordan, Jeremy, my kids, Marco, if God is calling you into a direction that you can't make sense out of, that's okay. That's fine. Pray. Seek God's face first, and he will make a way for you, and you'll just have to look back and go, wow, I, I, I didn't even think it was possible. But that's the God we serve. Yes. 
So again, I ask you guys, please keep us in your prayers. Pray for us. We've got a few prayer uh, cards back there on the greeter stand. Um, we don't have a ton of them, so maybe one per family um, until we get some more printed out. Preacher. Are y'all excited for them? Amen. Well, what we're going to do now, uh, we still have a few things more to do in the service, but but right now we'd like to uh, do biblically what God shows. So I've asked uh, Brother Wayne as a deacon, Brother Wayne, if you'd come on up here, and um, Brother Allen, Brother Hopper, we're all going to uh, gather around Josh and put our hands upon him, upon his head, upon his shoulders, and and pray that God would fill him, pray that God would use him, ordain him to the ministry. Say so what ordination, ordination is very simply that God has allowed the church to say when somebody says and testifies and gives proof and as we see it, that God has called him to a ministry that we as a church have the opportunity to help them initially by laying hands on him and praying that God's power and God's direction. And it's our, our way of saying we believe in him, we approve. We're excited as a church that uh, we have an opportunity to be a part of this ministry. So we're going to, to gather up. It'll take us just a few moments. If we uh, would just come right here to the steps.